Good morning, welcome, and thank you for joining us. 580-5436-580-KIDO. Dave at PetzoFinancial.net. That's the email address. You know, uh, by the way, if you have a question, this is going to be our last program this year. Stations basically shut down next week. Why? It's Christmas Eve. So there you go. I can't I know it's already here. Isn't that crazy? Christmas Eve. Next week. But we are going to be I yeah, not that you'd be listening on Christmas. I get it, right? You're going to be decking the halls and going to church and things like that. I, I, I totally get it. But if you are, Jennifer and I are going to be recording this week. I, I think it's going to be one of our best. I know it'll be a, one of our best. It, it is. Uh, about just some different market, not just basics, but some thoughts on the market, right? How, 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 how is it that you make, the, make most of your money in a bear market? What, what is that really about? We talk about the magic of compounding, but even in down markets, what does that look like? Right? So we're going to dive into some of these concepts just a little bit for a couple of hours. And uh, I, I think it's going to be fantastic. I know it will be. So that's what's going to play. But the point of me telling you that is today's the day to give me a call if you have a question because won't be here next week. And that's 580-5436-580-KIDO. All right. So speaking of that, and we'll talk more about this later, but how is it that you make most of your money in a bear market? How is that? I mean, we're kind of in a bear market. Are we not in a bear market? I know everybody's like, well, it's a bear market rally. I mean, what a common thing to say, right? I mean, it's just like, oh, boy, that's insightful. No, it's not. We're just having a bear market rally. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I like it. I like these bear market rallies, right? And then, in, and, and now we have this new term, right? It's a rip your face off rally. Okay. All right. Well, cool. Cool. I thought that would kind of be bad to rip your face off, but we're having those. We didn't this week. And I think it'll be interesting. I'm kind of, kind of holding this until the next hour, but this, this morning I was reading about what happened in the market for the week, right? So T. Rowe Price puts out this piece every week, and I like to just glance it in case, you know, it's like, oh, this happened, that happened. It's, it's like the most mundane garbage. But in case I missed a data point, like, you know, interest rates rose more than I thought, whatever, right? It's, it's good for me to kind of generally know that coming into today or, or precisely how much the market went up or down for the week in, in case somebody asked that question or I, I need to comment on it. So that I read all the time. But it, it, it was so brain dead this time, I really need to pick on it a little bit, talk about it, and talk about it from the standpoint of this is what goes for financial reporting and what people digest all the time, all the time, and think that there's information in it. It's amazing. It's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. And so I'm going to talk about that in the next hour. But right now, just kind of touch on this. <clears throat> How do you make the most of your money in a bear market? Now, you, maybe you've heard that comment before because it's brilliant. And most people, including me, 
take the primary purpose of that statement to say, you make most of your money because you sit on your hands and you don't freak out and be weird and sell. Okay? Uh, maybe it's not weird. I, um, you don't react to your emotions. You don't react to fear. And that is correct. That is the most important thing you can ever do in investing is to understand this. Markets, correct. That's normal, certain to occur over and over again all the days of your life. Certainty. And to not react to it is, that's it. You nailed it, knocked it out of the park, home run. That's it. You're rich. You get that down with investing, put your money in, leave it alone. You are done. You will grow wealthy. It's literally that simple. It is true. Everything else is noise, right? Oh, we got this product over here, and we hedge this, and we do that. And don't worry, you can have market returns with no risk. Do that thingy over there. It's an equity indexed annuity. Oh, and then we've got this thing over here. And then we have a 60-40 portfolio. We think the market's going to be a little bit high, a little bit low. We think this is going to happen. Earnings will be down, and we're going to get a recession, and then we're going to have this and that. And then we all predictive nonsense, total noise, to the simple fact, own the greatest corporations of the world in the world and don't let go of them. You're rich. That's it. Everything else is noise. So, so that is correct. But it even gets, I think, really neater than that. Okay? And, and more important is to say this, too. You see, you can't recover if you sell. You can't. If you sold out at the begin, you know, the end of 2008, beginning of 2009, You can't recover. You, you can't recover emotionally. You can't recover at all. Oh, I made a mistake. Okay, well, did you? Did you correct that behavior? Because if you did, then you can recover, sort of. But you see, if you ride your money down to half and then take it out and then get back in when everything's better, it's kind of hard to recover, huh? It, it really is. Because that recovery comes from the bottom and flies higher to all-time to all-time highs. If you get out at 6600, which is where we went, it's kind of hard to recover when you get back in at whatever 25,000. Really hard. It's that's that you just can't. And I think you can't emotionally recover. It's like I, I got to find something else except this magic thing that I do nothing except hang on to. You try to find something else or you try to make it up. It's a crushing blow. Financially, it's crushing, of course. But I think it's also crushing that you, you've gone to the dark side and you can't come back. That's how important it is. You just simply, when you invest, you simply have to know that right now is the only test you have to face. That's it. That's it. And I think, by and large, investors are getting that. 
Okay? But it even also making most of your money in a bear market looks like this too. This is the opportunity that you rarely get. But you know, once every five years or so, when the market has a correction, a severe enough correction where some of the greatest companies will go down 30, 40, or 50%. You, you just don't get those kind of price breaks on anything in normal. You know, oh, this, this came out. I'm looking for a buy the dip. A, this is not a dip. This is an opportunity. And so when we see tons of cash sitting on the sidelines going, I don't like the market, I don't like the market either. Nobody likes the market when it, it's like volatile, right? Nobody likes it. It's like, oh, this is fun. It's just awesome. I just, I just know what's going to go up today. No, you don't. You feel like it's going to go down all the time. But it doesn't. It has all these rip-your-face-off rallies and all that stuff that everybody wants to put some cool connotation on. It just doesn't do what people want it to do, like ever. So get over yourself. Well, I don't like the market. Well, good. Then I, I should like it then. Because if you don't like it, it's probably going to go to the moon. I don't like the market. Well, you know, I, okay. But do you want to own Amazon off 50%? No. Okay. I, I, don't invest. Ever. I, do you want to own Microsoft off 35%? I don't know. Because now you get the opportunity to do it. Well, I know, I understand you want to wait until it gets to 350 and buy it again. I understand. There's no way you'd want to touch it at 250. I, I get it. Who would? Why wouldn't we want to wait till all-time highs? It's the it's that whole it's it's hard to do until we kind of like in our own sense make fun of it, right? Like that's really silly. Why wouldn't I want to buy stuff when it's down? Why am I equating every single great business, businesses that I want to own, to this thing called the market? Why would I do that? Why would I spend time listening to people prognosticate about the market, doing what the market does? They're never right. So they're all saying, oh, it's going to go down. Okay. They, nobody disagrees with anybody. It's like, oh, well, let's all just like cattle. Let's all run together. They do. And they're wrong. They're wrong by some magnitude. Because nobody knows the future. And that's what's so silly about this. But we have to understand that when you get opportunities to reinvest dividends, simple things. In down markets, put more money in your 401k. The income you need, you take out of the really safe stuff that you have that hasn't gone down. Preserving the seed corn, the capital, the stocks for when they come back even allowing perhaps dividend reinvestment for retirees. That's how you compound wealth in a bear market because you're buying more than you ever would if the market didn't give you this gift 
or do we run in fear? Like, I just don't like the mark. You know, you hear people mumble about it. I don't like the mark. What don't you like about it? Well, I don't like the volatility. Yeah, but that's your opportunity. Well, I don't. I, just, I don't. I, uh, I like this thing. Okay. Why, why we do that, it, it, it binds us in. It's like people, oh, I, I know you don't like real estate. I, I do like real estate. I own, I own quite a bit of real estate. It's part of a portfolio. But I don't like the illiquidity of it. So I own real estate mostly through the markets. That's where. Because if I don't like real estate right now, I don't have to own it. Like in a second, I can sell. I like that. But there's nothing wrong with real estate. But when you take and say, I don't want to own the greatest wealth creator on the planet, that's putting yourself in a box. And as I said last week, it isn't about product wars at all. It's about portfolios. What is the greatest wealth creator in all of history? Well, it's the stock market. goes up more than anything else. Okay. That's kind of it. So to me, it's like that'd be the core. But it bounces around in price. Well, good. That means I have opportunities. Not, I don't live in fear of I look at it as an opportunity. The great That's why in a bear market, most of your money is made in a bear market, period. Because that's when the best compounding comes along, and that's when the market tests your behavior. It's a test. Are you going to be rich or not? This is your test. It's certainly not a test when the market goes up 20% a year. It's not a, that's not a test. <laughs> it's a, that's just fun, right? No test there. All right, I got to take a quick break. Our number is 580-5436-580. K-I-D-O. We'll be right back. Hello, good morning, and welcome. Our number is 580-5436-580-K-I-D-O. We hope you'll join us. I've only got a just a minute or minute and a half left here. Uh this was something very interesting that happened this week. I know it seems like it has nothing to do with finance, but they had a breakthrough in Fusion, okay? And I know Fusion is the thing that they were always going to have, with endless energy source and so on, right? Like flying cars. But it is coming. And the question always is how long and when and things like that, but can they deliver cheap enough and all those things? What we forget all the time, and this has everything to do with finance, everything to do with optimism about the world and mankind and all those things, is technology continues to solve problems. And I, it's why it's just insane for people. It's just like making stuff up to go, the world is uh, climate change and, 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 and we're all going to die. You know, we're going to die in 10 years. Well, that was 50 years ago. Technology continues to be a marvel in everything and continue to solve problems, from feeding people to heating homes. It's amazing, and we forget about that, and it's a huge driver to our future. 
Hello, good morning, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening for all these years. As uh, we won't be on for the rest of the year after today, I, I, uh, I just want to thank you again for uh, engaging with us, listening, your comments, your questions. Just so appreciate it. It's, it's really an honor to do it week after week for over 30 years. I can't believe it's been that long. It's just amazing how life goes by, but super fun. And for those of you who I you've never even heard us live and on podcast, I guess there's 40,000 listens out there and from all over the world, which is fascinating to me and interesting how technology once again has has made it possible to do so many things from so many different places. It's amazing, amazing to me. Anyway, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, 2022 is in the bag or about to be, and, and uh, on we roll. On we roll. I talk about this all the time, about how it's, the news is so misleading. It's like it's just a complete misdirection. But, but it, it, it's, it's something we just kind of say, and we don't really think about how much it impacts us. But it matters. I mean, it matters what our inputs are. It matters what we watch, what we listen to. It affects us. I know, I know we all think we're above it, but we're not. You listen or watch garbage all the time. You, you, you listen to gossip shows about what, what star is sleeping with what star, uh, who's, who's new, newly divorced, and who's cheating on who. Really important things in life that we really need to know because, gosh, isn't he handsome? Isn't he amazing? Isn't she the best actress, like, ever? Oh, my gosh, look at that dress. Garbage in, garbage out. I mean, we become those people. We become that. We can't take all that in and not be affected by it. And when it comes to finance, as I like to remind people, there's mostly financial pornography out there. There is. It's not healthy. Oh, well, I'm just getting some information at the dinner seminar. Are you really? Wow. I wonder why the SEC investigates that, why FINRA has a problem with dinner seminars if they're just getting information just having a free steak you know just getting information because people don't really know what's true what's not getting information doesn't mean you input garbage it, it isn't helpful for example, to be sitting around and listening to a constant dialogue about an equity indexed annuity and how that's the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's not. And professionals don't use it. Certified financial planners won't use it. Goldman Sachs doesn't have one. Why? If it's market returns with no risk, why wouldn't they? I guess they're Warren Buffett's just stupid. 
I'm stupid. All certified financial planners are dumb as a rock. Duh! We don't even know when a good thing hits us in the head. That's why. Because it's not information if you don't know the whole picture. And getting one picture can be very, very misleading. So when we talk about, and I talk about this all the time, I'm not here to beat up on annuities, for gosh sakes. It's all financial press. All the time. You know, they, they come out and they say, well, the market went up because the oil prices rose. Market went down because oil prices rose. It's completely made up. There's this guy, and I'm not making fun of him necessarily. It's just because he'd been around forever. His name's Art Cashin. He's some kind of floor trader or something. And they quote him on CNBC. Honestly, I'm not sure if he's ever right. I, I honestly don't know when he's ever right. Well, we got to hold this line, or next week on Thursday, it's going to be a bad day. What? Hold what line? Based on what? And why next week? Why is it a problem? Nobody knows. It's just made up. But we make it up literally like every day. Let's go to this guy on the floor of the exchange who's mumbling about something. Weird. So totally weird. When... 80% of the market trades are done by computers. Not by human beings with squiggly lines on a chart. We act like it's numerology. It's weird. They call them technicians. <laughs> For those of you who remember Louis Rukeyser, right? He called them elves. He made fun of them. Because it is. It's numerology. Well, if we go to 3950 on the S&P 500, and we do that before next Thursday at noon, then, in fact, the market's got a straight-up run until 4102. 4102 is our next uh, resistance line. Really? It has nothing to do with inflation and profits and owning the great corporations of the world? No, it's numerology. It's bizarre. But we don't have things to report all the time. So it really is kind of like, in my mind, okay, and I know people and I love people that actually uh, watch CNBC or have it on in the background or whatever. I, I, I don't. I think it's, I mean, if something huge is going on in the world, business-wise, great. You, you like tune in. What, what, what happened? Right? What's going on? That's true. But ongoing... There isn't a reason the market is doing what it's doing every second of every day. But there's an entire industry servicing that and then feeding it to us. So here, here's my point, okay? So this morning, there's nothing wrong with T. Rowe Price. They're a fine investment firm, okay? I happen to read their Global Markets Weekly Update. And I almost always do it. I don't read it. The whole thing, just glance it, see if I miss anything for the week. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, yeah, there's the market. There it is, and here's why. Okay? But typically, it's really the reasoning, you know, traders said this, traders said that. I mean, it is elementary school BS. It's clearly written by somebody that has no understanding of the market at all. Just gets data, throws it on there. Not, not, not my point to make fun of it. The point is, this is not, I'm not the only person that reads it, okay? 
So their commentary this week is precisely the point I want to make. So we start off the week with this news. Inflation, as measured by the CPI, was slightly less than expected. Okay. It's 7.1 instead of, what, 7.2 or 3? This is a one-month number. One month. One inaccurate measurement month. Meaning it clearly isn't 0.1. It's 0.2 or 0. It's not 0.1. It's going to be adjusted. They always do. Maybe even twice. Because it's a two-week snapshot of a few things, it really isn't a clear measurement. It's a trend that matters. But it was enough to get the president to, the, or no, he didn't write a speech, but anyway, they wrote him a speech and talked about how great the economy was. Okay? And the market had a good day. And of course, that was wrecked the very next day, and the day after that, and the day after that. Instead of just saying, okay, investors overreacted on Monday, everything's a data point, and and it's a driver to what moved the market. And then the Fed came in and wrecked it for everybody. Did they? Did the Fed do anything unexpected? No, they raised rates half a point. They've been saying they would for a long time. That's it. Oh, but the dot plot. In other words, the future projections of what the Fed might or might not do. Clearly, it hasn't been accurate one month For the past year, it's been completely wrong. Completely wrong. And they continue to revise it, revise it, revise it. But this was a revision of all revisions that tanked the market. Or could it be that the economy's not looking so good? But I thought on Monday it was looking great. Or Tuesday. I, I don't know. We get caught in this day-to-day nonsense. And then they put this wording. Okay, I don't want to read the whole thing. It's just ridiculous. But after they make the announcement, then it says this. Our traders noted that the major stock indexes tumbled over 1% within seconds of the release. Now, two things I want to say. Okay, Perhaps as investors flipped to the quarterly summary of individual policymakers' economic projections. So the market fell within seconds, and that was what investors went in and read. How did they do that? How did they read that within seconds and hit the sell button? Hmm, interesting. What investors had done that? They are the most amazing fast readers ever in the history of the world. And boy, can they trade fast. Nonsense. Number one, what we forget, these aren't investors. They're black boxes that find the information instantaneously and make buys and sells. That's what drove the market 1% within seconds was an algorithm. Not investors. 
But then we turn around and we say, this is the reason the market did this. And what it does is it drives us away from the idea that, one, if that's the case, that the market fell, correct it, however you want to say, or go up on expected news. That's called an opportunity, not a reason. The market moving on something that was expected is not true. It does not do that. We expect the Federal Reserve to raise rates by half a point, and then they do. Oh, my gosh, look what happened. They raised by half a point. The market went up. The market went down. No, we already knew what they were going to do. The only thing that could happen is the Fed would come walking in the door and go, we decided not to do what we told you we would do. We are going to not raise interest rates. Market could go up. Market could go down. We have decided we're going to raise interest rates by three-quarters of a point. We lied to you. They don't do that. But they could. But acting like it's a newsflash that they do exactly what they do is, again, making up news. And we've got to get our minds wrapped around the idea that this is not what moves markets. Is just blabber about the market. It's important to understand that, A, nobody gets what the future is going to be correct. It is only a question of magnitude, degree, however much you want to say that they're off. It will be off. And we sit around this time of year especially making predictions about 2023. And I used to do that too. We all do it. And as I said earlier, I don't like the market. I don't like it. Just up one day, down the other, blah, blah, blah. Oh, we all just love it when it just floats along. This is a test. And it's certain to occur over and over again all the days of our lives. Big deal. Get over it. Just quit worrying about it. It makes no sense. And then we dive deeper into this kind of thing. Within seconds of the release, perhaps, because they flipped to the quarterly summary of individual policymakers' economic projections, which they forgot to footnote here, are never correct. Only by They're only correct by if we give them the entire, like, earth to land on. Not, like... You're supposed to land only somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. They're never right. It's absurd, but we go through this all the time. And the Federal Reserve has not been right for uh, well over a year now. A year and a half. And we're just like, oh my gosh, it looks like rates could be a quarter of a point higher next year, according to the Fed, which has never made an accurate projection in the last year and a half. I just need to bet the farm on that. No, we don't. We just ignore it. And that's the important point of this. And when you're reading stuff like this, oh, yeah, so that's why the market. No, that's why the machines made the market go down 1% within seconds. Because nobody can read and trade that fast. The machines did it. 
not investors, flipping to the quarterly summary. <laughs> it's just like, you've got to be kidding me. You, nobody actually reads this, right? I mean, it's incredible. I mean, nobody edits it, it is what I'm trying to say. And so, again, I'm not saying that the Fed doesn't impact the market. They do. But acting like the Fed knows the future any more than anybody else. And to trade on that is crazy. We don't know. We simply don't know. And I'll tell you the other thing, if you want to just like focus on interest rates, because that's all it seems like forever the market can talk about. The Fed, the Fed, the Fed, the Fed, the Fed. And I'm not talking about the last year. Of course, we're going to focus on the Fed because they've raised rates from zero to closing in on 5%. That's what they're projecting very soon. Wow. Wow. That's a big move. We ought to be talking about the Fed. I'm talking about for years. QE, 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 QE. Not going to work. Won't work. Too much, going to cause too much inflation. Well, it didn't. Everybody's predicting. And everybody's wrong. Markets figure out a way all the time. If interest rates are high, then interest rates are high. Markets survive, thrive, and go to all-time highs. That's what they did in the 80s. Interest rates were much higher than they are even now. But we fixate on it. And act like we need to know what the market's doing day to day. And we read this garbage. It impacts us. It makes us think we have to react to things. We don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. Leave it alone. All right. We got to take a quick break. Love to have your phone calls. Love to have your emails. Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. It's 580-K-I-D-O. Hello, welcome, and thanks for joining us. 580-5436-580-K-I-D-O. That's our number. You know, I, I, I guess just to kind of put a final nail in this and move on, okay? We really do need to disregard forecasts. We do. I mean, the idea that people are going to know stuff when nobody predicted the pandemic. Oh, well, that's like a one-off. You can't predict it. Okay. I mean... Predicting the market will do tomorrow what it does today, that's easy. Except it's not. You can't even predict one day to the next. Predicting that we would shut everything down in a pandemic. Uh, who, who got that one? Who, who knew that? Predicting that the Fed would continue to dig the hole deeper when they recognized finally that Inflation wasn't transitory. Who, who predicted that? Who got that one right? And, and calling for higher inflation because they QE'd us from two, in 2008 and finally having higher inflation now is not right. That's actually wrong. That's like you're wrong. You predicted wrong. 
just like everybody that predicts a bear market around every corner is not right when approximately every five years we have a bear market. Yeah. And then the market goes to all-time highs. Thank you. Thank you for you know trading me out of the market at just the right time. It's important to disregard forecasts. We can't see the future. We can't. It's, it always looks clear in, in hindsight, and, and somehow we manage to trick ourselves into that. But, I mean, you know, really bright people predict things like the municipal bond market is going to collapse. That was back in 2010. That, her name was Meredith Whitney. In case you don't know, she's really not doing much on Wall Street these days. She's certainly not on 60 Minutes telling people to get out of their municipal bonds anymore. Nobody's asked her back. We, when QE1 ends, or I mean QE2, you know, uh, that has to be when, you know, it, 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 if somebody like Obama, who is anti-business, becomes president, the market can't, oh, yeah, it did do okay. Huh, okay. You get my point. All these things are either non-predictable or people predict exactly the opposite of what happens. If Donald Trump is elected president, the market's going to tank. Uh, it, it actually didn't. It was amazing. If the Fed starts hiking interest rates, the market's going to tank. Well, it didn't. Until it really got going. Not when they started, not when they threatened, not when this happens. We don't know. And so when people talk about things like the 60-40 portfolio being dead, I think it finally came back to life. How reactive is that? How Instead of predictive, the market went down. The 60-40 collapsed because bonds collapsed. The worst every year. Does that mean next year is going to be the worst every year? Or it's going to continue down? I think it just repriced itself and made itself actually viable. But goodness gracious, you would never know that by any commentary that's going on out there. Forecasts. And the one that I always come back to, 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 to remind our, all of us, the one simple thing you would think you nailed, right? Are interest rates going to be higher or lower six months from now? All the high-paid economists on Wall Street. The, a coin flip is right more often than they are. Literally. They get it wrong more than 50% of the time. And that's one thing. One thing. It's not something as complex as corporate profits, which they're never. Our number is $111 on the S&P 500 next year. We think it's 10% off on this or that, and times 16.5 P.E. ratio means the market is, oh, my gosh, they're never right. But with absolute certainty from Jamie Dimon to Goldman Sachs to all of the J.P. Morgan analysts and commentators, they told us all summer long, 
we had him here for a meeting. That the market had to go down at least another 10% because 16.5 average P.E. ratio times what they projected what the earnings were going to be is 10% off. Hmm. There you go. Rocket science. Oh, by the way, the market's up about 15% since that point in time. Not that we won't go down. I'm not saying that because I'm not making a prediction. We have got to be thinking about not, not finding the data, the person, the analyst that agrees with us in our own mind, agrees with our fears, and drives us to make those kinds of decisions. And we're always asking, but what will the market do? And I just want to say this. I don't know. But we are prepared. What do you mean prepared? Well, if the market goes down, we're prepared to buy more. Or if the market goes down and you have an income portfolio, we have things that aren't going down. So income keeps coming. It's okay. We expect markets to correct. We don't have to forecast. We have to admit we can't, and we have to be prepared. For the absolute certainty that markets will correct over and over again all the days of our lives. It's certain, and it does not need to be reacted to, except moving positively towards it. Got to take a break. Fox News is next. On the other side, it's 580-KIDO. Welcome. Thank you for joining us, and uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. I, I know it's closing in. What uh, Christmas Eve, a week from now. Wow. Crazy. Let's go to the phones. 580-5436-580-KIDO. Terry, how are you today? Oh, pretty good, Professor. How about yourself? I'm well. I'm doing well. Thank you. I was listening in on, on the earlier section with Kevin, and you're talking about uh, power delivery and such. Yeah. And it, it just one of those things, I don't know anybody, nobody brought it up, but uh, your heat, your power, your conveniences are, and investing are sort of alike that you need to diversify it. Yep, there you go. Okay. If you have yeah. a gas, I, I've got a fake gas wood stove that I use primarily for my heat. And I've got a backup electric furnace and backup mini splits and uh, darn uh, space heaters and such. But I can always go out in the backyard and start a fire and heat some rocks and bring them in, and if I have to, too. So you, <laughs> you figure out different ways you can do something. It works the same way with investments. Yeah, yeah. well, that's a good point. I, I think we do become uh, very comfortable in investing uh, the way we want to invest as well, right? I mean, well, yep. I, I own a bunch of real estate. Okay, that's where you're comfortable. It doesn't make it the best investment. It might be most comfortable doesn't necessarily make it the most effective. Now, again, I think diversification in and out of real estate, right? Into We diversify into real estate, own it as well. But I, I don't know anybody that wants to own, you know, rentals when they're retired. You know, it's just, it's a pain in the backside. They don't want to do that. Yeah, well, it's like, well, that's what a lot of this market movement I always attribute it to is people polishing, um, a piece of excrement. 
they're just trying to make their portfolios look good by moving something here, moving something there, mm-hmm. end of quarter mm-hmm. moves with this, and it, it's all eyewash. Or not all eyewash, but a lot of eyewash with a lot of these firms. No, I think you're right. I, I, I you're right. It, it is. Sorry that, believe it or not, I, I get more spam than any human right now. I don't know why. I'm, I'm, I'm not on it. So sorry, my phone went off. It's my best friend, potential spam. And it, 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 but anyway, you're right. We do, as an industry, do that a lot because it makes people feel like you're doing something. We're managing. We're managing money. Mm-hmm. When it's really, you're managing expectations. You're managing um, people's emotions as well as, of course, you do want to manage with the tax selling, things like that. You do that. You're right. But bottom line, the more trading you do, the worse you do. All statistics show that. So every single time, I remind myself all the time, if you trade, when I make that trade, I am now decreasing, statistically, I am now decreasing the rate of return for my clients. Yeah. No, okay. Heck, if I, if that, I would have listened to you 20 years earlier, I'd be calling in from a warm place. <laughs> it's, it's just, and, and it's also... Uh, Terry, it, it's also this this feeling like you you, you know you want to do something, you want to play. It's like, you know, you don't well, that's, you don't you, you go like you're in a casino. You want to you want to play. It's like I'm going to guess on the dice. I'm going to guess on the cards. I'm going to guess on whatever. And 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 that's part of the play. And people like to trade, but but let's re- be realistic. That is hurting they, your returns. There's part of your life, your earnings or whatever that is play money. That's what I call it. Right. Uh, it, it, so, yeah, it's, well, heck, if you want to get me something for Christmas, Dave, you get me a piece of Bitcoin. That, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where you get it anymore, right? Everybody's, all these exchanges are folding well, up now. Well, the, the, the tried and true way I learned from Jack Spirko off the Survival Podcast is Coinbase for your on-ramp to get your cash in, and then you move it over to a, play, a wallet called Exodus. Okay. All right. And they're pretty much rock solid. And that's what I that's again, instead of gambling anymore, that's that's my gambling. Right. Right. So right. and you know, I've said this many times. I, I you know, it's like no, I enjoy running down to Reno and and gambling. I I enjoy that. And and do it a few times a year. It's not mm-hmm. I mean, it's not something I I'm I'm glad I don't live in Reno. I wouldn't probably <laughs> enjoy it very much, right? But yep. I do enjoy that whole thing. That doesn't have anything to do with investing or my temperament when it comes to investing. They're two very, very separate things. Yeah, never yeah. take the house payment and enjoy yourself. Correct, correct, exactly. It's 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 got to be thought that way. Anyway, my yeah. friend, I appreciate it, and you have a great, a, a very Merry Christmas, okay? Same to you. Merry Christmas to you, David. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Mm. Bye-bye. Bye. And our number is 580-5436, 580-KIDO. Uh, let's go and take our, our final break, and uh, we're gonna. And, and so Dan, hang on, and we'll grab you on the backside. Thanks. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Hey, uh, if you miss anything, you want to catch a back episode or whatever. I mentioned the podcasts earlier; uh, they're all available on our website, Podbeam, Apple Store, uh, as well as we we also have done a number of Zoom uh, meetings over the years, and we do post those on YouTube. One in particular I wanted to mention was phenomenal. Um, I, I think they're all really good, honestly. But this one is just 
jaw-dropping information on energy. You gotta wanna do it because it's over an hour. You can always break it in half, but I highly recommend it because it is unbiased. It's not filtered for, uh, we need to drill more. We, you won't know who, who, this individual, where he stands. But the data, the amount of money that they manage in this space specifically, it's pipelines, it's, it's uh, transmission lines, utilities, uh, it's every kind of energy you can imagine. And uh, it, 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 our infrastructure, it's just phenomenal. And I, it, it, that's out there on, again, on YouTube. All you gotta do is look for or type in Petso Financial uh, and you'll find it. And I, I just highly recommend it. So I wanted to mention it one more time. Right now, let's go to the phones. Dan, how are you, buddy? Hey, I'm doing fine, David. How are you? Good, 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 sir. What can I do for good. you? Good. Uh, you know what? You are you you are the consummate professional on the radio. You just you just served up what I wanted to talk about. You just talked about going to your website and feeding on that energy uh, uh, YouTube, and I did watch that. It's phenomenal. Oh, good. I'm, so thank yeah. you for doing that. So I want to do uh, just uh, close of the year, be one of the last callers, uh, and just read a little story it's about the two wolves, and it's about feeding. Uh-huh. It says, one evening, one evening, an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside all of us. One is evil. It is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, resentments, lies, superiority, and ego. The other is good. And it is joy and peace and love and hope and serenity and humility and generosity and compassion and faith. The grandson thought about it for a while, and he asked his grandfather, which of these wolves will win? And the old Cherokee simply said, the one that you feed. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, you look at what you talked about earlier. We talk about it every week. What, what are we putting into our minds? Mm-hmm. Or more importantly, what are we putting into our hearts? Right? And... This is uh, the one thing nice about, uh, you know, Christ laid in a manger, which was a bread basket. <laughs> it's what animals ate out of, right? So anyway, I just thought I would uh, put that out, and uh, maybe for some of your listeners, they're maybe having a bit of a struggle right now. Absolutely. I appreciate that. You're right. You know, we, we do, we grow with what we feed ourselves with, and that is absolutely right. true. Yeah, it is. Right. So anyway, I just wanted to wish you uh, 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 a wonderful uh, new year, and uh, we'll talk to you in about a. We'll, we'll talk to you next year. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, be safe, <laughs> be safe, my friend, right. and and drive safe, right. and, and uh, God bless you. Thank you for your call. All right, you bet. Thanks. You bet. Bye bye. Bye. Good man. Our number is five eight zero five four three six five eight zero K I D O. If you want to reach us, give us a call. Love to hear from you. Uh, we've got plenty of time left in today's program. All right, one more touch on stuff, okay? Got some time here. Been all around the board, right? It is. We've talked about what we feed ourselves with, like the two wolves. What, 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 what are our inputs? What kind of garbage do we throw in all the time and then spit it out? The world's going to end because... And then you list off a bunch of really good facts because you read those facts out there on the Internet. Went into the doom and gloom. 
I know, I know, no, it's not. It's not you're not a pessimist. You're, you're practical. You're well-read practical. You just felt like the world was going to end for the last 40 years. I'm not sure what's practical about that. And we, we do need to be thinking about that. It's not Pollyannish view of the world to say we're continuing to progress. Mankind is. I, look, I don't know. I don't know spit about fusion. But it was an exciting breakthrough this week. I don't know if it means we're 50 years away from that or five from having anything that will work. But I do know that this was step one. They actually got more energy out than they put in to one experiment. That's it. That's like, okay, we started, but you got to start. And this is a major breakthrough. And it reminds all of us, all of us, that we keep advancing, that, w that technology keeps solving all of the world's problems. It, it always has. And we just have to remember that. It, it doesn't mean we don't fight the good fight, that you argue for the proper values, that we are morally spiraling down for the zillionth time in world history, by the way. This isn't new. It's not more evil than it was when Hitler was gassing people and all the other times in the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, whatever you want to call it. Come on. It's not worse. But we spiral on these things, and I get it. It's confusing. We fight the good fight. You should. We should. But, it, but to, to always be proclaiming the end is here is wrong. It's wrong projections. It makes us do wrong things in our investing. And honestly, in our life. When we're always living in this doom and gloom. We have to be keeping our eyes open for the miracles around us all the time. Life is a miracle. It's an amazing thing. It truly is. And I get it. You know, for, for those of us that think life is precious, the idea that we talk about abortion all the way to the end is, is frightening. It's scary. It's, it diminishes the human life. It doesn't mean the world is ending. It doesn't. And I know we read all that stuff into it. But importantly, when we think about the markets, we think about inflation, we hear all the noise every single day, day in, day out. Bad, 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 more bad. And then we go and, and intentionally go and find more sources of bad. We are intentionally feeding the wrong wolf. Not a wild-eyed optimist, no. Just be realistic. The world keeps improving. It does. And yes, fight the good fight. And God bless and Merry Christmas to everybody. I can't wait to talk to you in the new year.